I'm putting love on the radio, spreading joy everywhere I go. There's no way to hide my hope. Oh, no, this little light of mine. Hey, I'm gonna let it shine. Telling the world to save my soul. The only way I know with love on the radio. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Great to have you join me for another week. We've got a really great show prepared for you today. Former senior Trump advisor and the CEO of Getter Social Media, Jason Miller, will be joining me in the second half of the show. We're talking all things conservative social media platforms, the, the importance of free speech in our First Amendment, as well as everything that's unfolding right now with this January 6th sham committee, and we're going to talk a lot about that today in the show. You don't want to go anywhere. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? All right, so it's Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. It's also National Entrepreneur's Day, and I wanted to make sure we talked about it today because so many of you out there in the world today, where all of our listeners out there are entrepreneurs, some of them, and many of you have created different things that the American people benefit from, and I want to stress the importance of supporting American-made companies that that are trying to uh, keep our jobs intact right now and provide work for so many people right now. We're seeing a short with with all sorts of issues that the Biden administration has brought about. And the American people are those that are, are working hard right now, even despite what's taking place. And we want to thank all of our entrepreneurs here in America that provide so many jobs for us and products for us to make us competitive on the world stage. So happy National Entrepreneurs Day from me right here on The Ryan Young Show. Let's talk a lot about... I want to talk about a lot of different things today, and it's very important that we do so. It's mainly surrounded about something that's very essential to what we're going to be talking about in the show, and this is what's happening right now in with the January 6th, everything that's taken place. We've seen it unfold in so many different ways. Just Monday, we saw that Steve Bannon, uh, he served as a senior aide to President Donald Trump. He surrendered to authorities uh, and, and now has appeared in federal court three days after he was indicted by a grand jury on two counts of contempt of Congress for, quote, refusing to provide information to this House committee investigating, quote, the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And this January 6th committee, this is what we're going to be talking about a lot with this, on the show and especially with Jason Miller in the second half. What is going on right now with January 6th and this investigation that never seems to end. You might remember it. When, when the events took place January 6th, where, where everyone was calling it an insurrection, where Joe Biden said it was the worst attack on our country's soil since the Civil War, where even George Bush on 9-11 made reference to uh, Trump supporters as being terrorists, and on and on and on and on and went. And the conservative movement was attacked at such a high level and, and, you know, they called it an insurrection, but I've got a lot of problems with what took place January 6th. And I believe that the listeners of this show care about the truth. They want to know the truth. And that's exactly what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to spend time today on the show discussing January 6th from a very unbiased, factual standpoint of actually what took place. Let's start by defining the an insurrection and then discussing the events that unfolded. And then you'll get to hear firsthand 
hand from Jason Miller, who is a Trump, um, a senior advisor, and who's also recently been subpoenaed by this January 6th committee to testify before Congress, just like Bannon was. So you'll get to hear firsthand from someone that will know a lot about this topic and, and will hopefully provide us some important information uh, surrounding this issue. Uh, let's define insurrection. So an an insurrection, as the dictionary tells you, it's, quote, a violent uprising against a government or other established authority. But what we witnessed o o over the course of this time, especially on January 6th, do you believe that it was, in fact, a violent uprising against a government or established authority? That's the question I have for you. Do you believe it truly was that? I know one thing's for certain. In the summer of 2020, we definitely saw an uprising against a government or established authority. Remember the rioting that we witnessed that caused $2 billion in property damage, claiming more than 20 lives? Remember that? Well, now, now compare that to what you witnessed on January 6th. Do you think it's comparable? Well, may, maybe you do. Maybe you've watched CNN, MSNBC. You were told to believe that it was way worse than any of the rioting or, quote, peaceful protests, as CNN put it. You're supposed to believe it was way worse, but was it in fact way worse when you actually look at the facts? Because at the end of the day, we don't care about emotional appeals or hyperbole. We want to know the truth. And that, that at the end of the day is what we're after. So I ask you again, do you believe that the January 6th event was as bad as the rioting? Well, from a factual standpoint, let, let's, let's address this. Only one person was killed. That was an unarmed female Trump supporter who was shot by a Capitol police officer. So compare that to over 20 lives taken in the rioting. Now, how about to the $2 billion in property damage that took place in cities all across America? Compare that to January 6th. Well, we know that there was minimal damage, a couple windows. So from... A very basic standpoint, just looking at the facts, it doesn't appear to be nearly as violent and nearly as damaging in terms of property. So what, what do I what do I what do I have to, for you to think about? Do you believe this truly was the worst assault on our democracy since 9-11, since Pearl Harbor and according to Joe Biden, even since the Civil War? I don't know. I don't believe it was. And so the truth matters here. We, we've seen so many different things unfold. And so now we're seeing conservative people. We, we witnessed it for a year. Conservative people were removed from the marketplace of ideas, removed off of social media, off of Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, silenced, censored, and, and labeled as extremists and even worse yet, terrorists. And we saw it get so bad that even President Trump was removed from his Twitter account and locked out of his Facebook and Instagram. Why? Because, quote, he incited an insurrection. They've said this ad nauseum to you and you're supposed to believe it. And if you don't, then somehow you're one, either crazy, two, a radicalist, or three, you're a terrorist. What happened to the truth? And so that's what we're trying to address today. And now we're seeing Steve Bannon, former Trump aide, close with President Trump, was forced to turn himself in for not testifying before this sham committee. And I want to play to you exactly what his lawyer had to say about this. Take a listen. 
There is nothing about this case that reflects a pursuit of the equal justice under the law. This thing was a scam from the beginning. The committee, the committee, the committee that was convened here was convened exclusively of people who have made prejudgments and announced them publicly. The chair of the committee sued President Trump personally and before he was even appointed to his position, determined and put in writing that President Trump was responsible for the events of January 6th. This is not an investigative committee. There's nothing for him to investigate when he's made a prejudgment. We have other members of the committee who announced their prejudgments well in advance. It's not equal justice under the law, Mr. Garland, to charge a matter like this criminally. The holder of the privilege in this case, executive privilege, invoked the privilege. Mr. Bannon is a layperson. When the privilege has been invoked by the purported holder of privilege, he has no choice but to withhold the documents. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Um, Mr. Bannon had acted as his lawyer counseled him to do by not appearing and by not and by not turning over documents in this case. He didn't refuse to comply. He made quite clear that if a court ordered him to comply, he would do that. But he had an obligation to honor the privilege that was invoked. And in terms of prosecuting this criminally, it violates settled Department of Justice policy that's binding on the executive branch. It is outrageous that a criminal charge was brought in this case. It is a misdemeanor, but it's being treated as if it were a capital case. Um, Mr. Bannon takes this very seriously. It's outrageous what the government did. The principles of equal justice under law that Mr. Attorney General Garland speaks about are vitally important to all of us. And we all lose as Americans when they're selectively used and when we violate that principle. Did you catch that? I wanted you I want you to make sure you didn't miss that, that the chair of this committee had already said that President Trump was responsible for this. Each of the different people involved in this committee, most of them have already made a statement saying that President Trump is guilty of whatever they're trying to prove, that somehow he incited this insurrection, caused major chaos in our country, decided to to overthrow the democracy and on and on and on and on it went. But are we to actually believe that this is true? Are we to believe that this January 6th committee that's trying to, quote, investigate what took place are truly unbiased uh, um, and, and really what, what our country should call as a jury? Do you believe that they're truly the, that type of a jury? I think anyone who's reasonable, who's just looking at this from a fact-based perspective, no matter what side you're on, would have to see that I, they're biased. And not only are they biased, they have a motive, they have an agenda, and they're pushing for it really, really hard. So where do we go from here? How are we supposed to digest this? Because obviously we know the media is hell-bent on making sure that you are worked up about what took place on January 6th. And why, why do you think they're spending so much time right now focused on January 6th, an event that took place a while ago? Well, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that President Trump has considered running again in 2024, and they want to make sure that all of the voters are well aware of his terrorism. They want to lock up his supporters and label us all extremists. Now, I want to be clear here, and I hope you listen. The events that took place on January 6th were very unfortunate. It was frightening to watch. It was upsetting. No matter who you were, we never want to see violence erupt especially in our nation's capital, we're about democracy and freedom of speech, where hopefully we won't have to resort to violence in order to get our voices heard. But you know who I blame for this? No, I don't blame President Trump. 
who I blame is social media. You see, what takes place when social media no longer is allowing uh, all voices to be heard in the marketplace of ideas, when people are silent, censored, and removed, what takes place throughout history? What have we witnessed? I think hopefully we can learn from history. History shows that when a person is not heard, when a group of people are ignored, when they're not even allowed to share their ideas, they take action, they protest, and oftentimes it results in violence. I mean, isn't this the talking point of the left for how long? With the rioting that took place. Well, their voices haven't been heard, they've been ignored, and, and they're taking the right step to, to, to regain social justice. Have you heard that? Do you remember that? Well, don't just throw it away because I think it's still essential here. That very argument, how come the left is so quick to throw that out now with conservatives, with these Trump supporters? Remember, I, I stay consistent here. I look at the facts and I want to present the facts to you. I don't think it's good to result, resort to violence and upset. But it's essential that people's voices are heard. The rioting that took place in 2020 was horrible. And the attack on our capital was also horrible. But for one thing's for certain, looking at the sheer data, looking at it from an unbiased perspective, I think you can agree that the event that took place with the rioting in 2020 was far worse than the January 6th event. How can I say that with such confidence? Well, let's look at the numbers. We talked about it. $2 billion in property damage all across the United States, over 20 people killed, compared to a few windows broken and one unarmed Trump supporter shot by a Capitol Police officer, and her name is Ashley Babbitt. And what took place? Well, the FBI decided to give a pass to this Capitol officer that shot Ashley. They've targeted conservatives. They've attacked all of the different people that were caught in the Capitol, uh, charging them with federal crimes for years and years uh, of trespassing and, and all the rest of it. We've seen reports of them being mistreated in the prison systems. This is a perfect example of a two-tier justice system where the, the DOJ by President Biden has decided that he has the power to use the DOJ to do his own bidding, to target the people that don't agree with him. And we'll see what takes place here. We'll see how it all results with Steve Bannon. But I hope you, you heard what the lawyer had to say. And I hope you, 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 you keep a track of this story because it's impactful for us and for our nation's future. But you have to see, this was all a well-coordinated attack against President Trump since the very, very beginning. Before Trump took office, the Russia collusion hoax was used as a pretext to create a parallel administration shadowing the elected administration. Remember all of this? And, and the truth has unfolded. We've, we've learned that the Democratic National Committee had paid for manufactured evidence. We know that the Russia collusion story is all manufactured. It's been proven to be a lie. But that will not stop the left because the mainstream media doesn't report it to you. And anyone that does, well, we're labeled racist, we're labeled terrorists, and we're canceled from the marketplace of ideas. So I wouldn't be surprised if this very show gets censored. But it's important that we talk straightforwardly 
about the events that took place. And now we're seeing, if you've followed it, Special Counsel John Durham is indicting Michael Sussman, a lawyer who covertly worked with the Clinton campaign and lied to the FBI. That's good news. But what about the higher level corruption saturating the Russian collusion hoax and continuing to peddle this January 6th insurrection? There's a lot of questions to be asked about January 6th. Like how all of a sudden do all of these people get into the, the supposedly one of the most secure buildings in our nation's history and in our nation? How are they just able to stroll right in? There's videos that are circulating where police officers moved out of the way. But if I say this, oh, I'm a conspiracy theorist, I'm denying the reality. And that's what's most frightening to me, that there can be two different realities depending on a person's political stance. See, I don't identify as a conservative before I am a Christian, before I am about pursuing the truth. I don't identify as a, with a political party. I identify with Jesus Christ, and I care about the truth. And the truth is what sets a person free. Sets a person free from years of propaganda, years of mainstream media lies, years of collusion and depravity run amok in our political sphere. So the truth is, January 6th insurrection, where we're supposed to believe all madness and chaos broke out, where all these people died. Well, in reality, we know one person died, Ashley Babbitt. She was a long-serving Air Force veteran who was shot and killed by, quote, a very nervous Capitol police officer. And there's no one who's allowed to speak up and say, why was she shot? She was unarmed. But yet the media was able to use this as an armed insurrection. They got to label it what they wanted. And on and on it went. So what's, what's important right now for the Democratic Party right now is to say, state that this January 6th incident has become uh, as violent, as crazed as possible. That's why they're comparing it to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor and the Civil War. They really want to rewrite the narrative so all the people that actually watched it, that actually know what took place, that they're silenced and that everyone growing up for the rest of our nation's history will always view this in a warped, revisionist standpoint. And so this show will stand, hopefully, as a marker for those that actually care about the truth, that actually want to know what took place. And I know I'm getting worked up today, but it's something to be worked up about a lot of the time, because do we value the truth? See, the truth is, none of the deaths that resulted in January 6th, which was one in the actual Capitol and five outside of the Capitol, none of those deaths were caused or brought about by the protesters. The shot fired by the Capitol Police Officer Michael Byrd that hit Ashley Babbitt in the neck and killed her was the only shot fired at the Capitol that day. No guns were recovered from the Capitol on January 6th. Zero. Even liberal commentator Glenn Greenwald diminished this armed insurrection narrative. He said that 
No one died. The protest. No one was died, killed by the protesters, but they died of a heart attack outside the Capitol. First of all, another one died of a stroke. So, what's with this liberal media and, and the Democrat Party rewriting our history, and no one standing up for about it? Hmm. Very interesting, right? So I have a couple questions for you to think about because we want to we want to try to cover this fully. Why did the government mobilize 26,000 federal troops from all across the country to surround the People's House following January 6th? Why then were all of these troops subjugated to FBI vetting? And if any of them identified as Trump supporters, they were not allowed to go. Why is there over 14,000 hours of video footage of the event of January 6th that are still unreleased that the government is refusing to release for us? Are they afraid of letting the public see something? Hmm, I wonder. How about the scenes of security guards actually opening doors and ushering in the protesters? How about pictures of FBI informants covertly salted among the crowd? Do you think that matters? I think so. I hope you continue to investigate and look at the real reality of what's unfolding with this January 6th insurrection hoax, because that's really what it is. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Don't go anywhere. We've got Jason Miller, the CEO of Getter Social Media and a former Trump advisor coming up right now. You want to hear the truth, pay attention, and if I never got a mention, still do it for the love and the mission, yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Joining me now is Jason Miller, a former senior Trump advisor and the CEO of Getter Social Media. Jason, it's great to have you on the show. Ryan, thanks for having me. Hillsdale is a great institution for higher learning and a place where a lot of really smart conservatives have come out from. And so anything to speak with the, uh, the team there is, uh, is a great honor. Well, we, we really do appreciate that. I want to spend our time today focused on the importance of the First Amendment rights that we have and discuss the continued attacks we're seeing right now on those who hold conservative and Judeo-Christian values Jason, you worked with President Trump and saw firsthand the coordinated attacks by the left to muzzle opposing speech in particular. Uh, is this what you would say caused you to launch Gitter? Absolutely. And you take a look back at 2020 and even extending into 2021, this has been the worst year, I should say at this point, the worst year and a half for censorship and political censorship in American history. And as we've launched Getter, and I've been traveling around the world to London and Brazil and uh, Paris and Germany, and what I've found out is this isn't a problem that's uniquely American. 
people everywhere around the world are frustrated by big tech and big media influencing their political discrimination and interfering with people's free speech rights. Now, obviously, each country has their own version of free speech rights, and of course, we're the only ones who have a First Amendment in the exact format uh, that exists for us. But as we've seen, uh, this this is a problem everywhere. And so you look last year, uh, not just when people were being censored or shadow banned or deplatformed for daring to say the virus came from a lab in Wuhan, which, you know, spoiler alert, Ryan, it, it did. Right. Uh, but then even as we went into October and we saw the big tech and big media collude to shut down the Hunter Biden laptop scandal that would have swung the election, uh, that was scandalous in its own right. Right. Well, I was actually a victim of social media. Twitter permanently suspended me over the coronavirus. So I know firsthand, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and that's, uh, you know, I, I didn't even know that before we, we started the interview. But, uh, you know, the fact is, when you look at how often Anthony Fauci, for example, has changed his mind or his opinion on things, how could anyone take what Anthony Fauci said as the gospel. I mean, uh, he didn't. Anthony Fauci did not descend down from the mountain with a couple of tablets um, and say, "Here's here's how we're supposed to address coronavirus or how we're going to um, uh, chart a pathway forward with regard to COVID nineteen." But yet, the media treats him as such, mm-hmm. and I think it's uh, their effort to try to take away our ability to challenge or make sure the government is getting it right, I think is disturbing. I mean, even take, for example, uh, take the vaccine. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who got the vaccine. I tell people to get the vaccine. But I remember even last fall when we were told that you get the jab once and you're fully vaccinated. Now we find out that according to Fauci and the CDC, you might need two, three, maybe even four boosters for it to be fully effective, which at a certain point raises the question about its efficacy in the first place. So we always have to have the right as free people, as Western civilization, to be able to challenge our authorities, um, especially when they're, they're trying to say that they're right on something and they, they don't have fully formed opinions. Well, it's, yes, definitely right. I agree. We, we need to be able to have the free speech to share our minds. That's what democracy is all about. But there's a balance here, and this is what I really want to ask you about, the balance between hate speech and free speech. What type of uh, protocols do you have in place on Gitter to, to really allow for the, the dialogue of free speech in the marketplace of ideas, but to protect people from maybe violence or hate speech? Great question, and this is something where we're never going to get it right 100% of the time, and we're bound to uh, frustrate or alienate some of our allies. Mm-hmm. Where we've had to draw the line at is there are some things that might be legally permissible in the U.S. that we've made a decision as a platform that if we want to have political free speech, if we want to make sure that nobody is ever going to be shadow banned or uh, deplatformed or sent off to digital jail for expressing their political opinion, you have to have some basic standards. So there are some things, uh, say, particular to uh, illegal activity. You can't go and get her and uh, coordinate or suggest uh, or help uh, promulgate illegal activity, whether that's threats of violence uh, or other illegal acts, or uh, you know maybe it's a robbery or, or you know doing something that could that could hurt people. Um, the same thing is we don't want to have people go on the platform and dox other people. Go, we don't want anyone to uh, post addresses or say here's personal identifying information uh, that that should not be posted online. We've also made a decision that we're not going to tolerate any racist or um, uh, religious epithets. And Mm -hmm. so, for example, uh, that might be 
technically uh, legal um, in the U.S. under the First Amendment, uh, but we've decided that uh, this is going to be a safe and inviting place for everybody. And if those, that's the type of language that you want to use, the Constitution might uh, protect it, but we don't want that to be on our platform. We believe that if we keep the illegal activity off of Getter, we make sure that it does not become some place where uh, the racist or racial uh, epithet type language uh, is permitted, that we're going to be able to comply and, and work within the uh, the frameworks and not be, say, deplatformed or taken down anywhere. Because when it comes to your right uh, to talk about COVID, when it comes to your right to talk about lockdowns or the jab or election fraud or any of your political opinions, that's what we're going to fall on the sword to defend. But we have to have some basic safeguards to make sure that the platform is inviting for all communities. Mm-hmm. Speaking of it being inviting for all people, how, how are you doing right now in terms of getting this out into the public? And, and how are you competing in terms of these well-established platforms that, that have a, a lot of money to spend? Well, exactly. And so we're over 3 million downloads so far uh, for the the platform, which is really good. We're the fastest ever social media platform to 1 million and 2 million and 3 million users. Uh, So this um, uh, blazing a, a new trail here. Um, now, obviously, that's still you know what a hundredth of uh, what uh, Twitter's um, uh, monthly average users look like. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, they had they've had approximately fifteen, sixteen years to go and develop this. Uh, we've had four months, and so as we look, or maybe four and a half months. So we realize that we're starting a different place. We're always going to be judged against platforms that have been around for uh, you know thirty times longer than we have, for example. But that doesn't mean that we're working any any less hard or that we don't want to get there. So we see this. Thing is a rocket ship. Uh, in fact, the U.S. is only about 37, maybe 38 percent of our global user base. Uh, the international base is uh, really taken off. In particular, Brazil, it's about 15 percent. Japan, which is about 13 percent. We've seen such fantastic growth all over the world. It shows that everybody wants free speech, not just Americans. Exactly. That's so true. One thing that I'm a little worried about, and I want to get your opinion about, um, there's talk that Trump is going to maybe be releasing his own social media platform. Uh, Are you concerned about how that might affect Getter? No, not at all. In fact, since President Trump announced his platform in that first 11 days afterwards, we'd seen about 135% increase in Getter signups off the previous 11-day period. When you look at about the 20-day period, we're still up about 12 13% over where we were before, because what's happening is about... And 20, 25% of Trump supporters effectively quit social media when he was deplatformed back in January. A lot of people were frustrated, discouraged. They didn't like how things ended in the administration with big tech and big media clamping down on President Trump. And so a lot of people, they may not have deactivated their accounts, but they said, you know what, I'm just, I'm tired of Facebook, tired of Twitter. I'm just not going to be on anymore. What's happening is with President Trump making his voice heard, is that a lot of people are getting off the sidelines. They're getting back in. They're saying, we saw what happened to Virginia with a big win. Uh, we see what's happening with Joe Biden. Uh, we have to make our voice heard. We can't stay silent anymore. And the other thing, too, uh, Ryan, I'll tell you, our global growth, as I referenced before, has been gangbusters. And so a lot of people have just been jumping on. And so our numbers continue to skyrocket and to go up. And we think that this is much more about taking power away from Twitter, Facebook, the other Silicon Valley tech oligarchs, as opposed to having any kind of uh, squabble on our side, uh, there's room for all of us to grow at big tech's expense. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Who would you say right now is one of your um, biggest people that are on the platform bringing in a lot of different uh, people from all around the world? 
Great question. Uh, It's funny because when you say that, I immediately default to our different countries. And so um, there's a a gentleman, um, a pretty prominent YouTuber in France, uh, Baptiste Marche, uh, who is, again, I'm not expecting anybody uh, who's listening here at Hillsdale to know who that is, Mm -hmm. uh, but he runs a YouTube and podcast show called Bench and Cigars. Why is it called Bench and Cigars? Because he benches 550 pounds, and he likes to bench press, and he likes to smoke cigars. (laughs) So why wouldn't you name your show Bench and Cigars? He has single-handedly brought in something in the neighborhood of 10,000 new signups in just the last two or three weeks. Uh, He's literally a one-man wrecking crew. This guy's a dynamo. And so I love myself some Baptiste. Uh, He's uh, a little bit of a... Um, kind of a, a mini Hercules guy, but you know, if I, I would I would not want to get in a bench press competition with him. Uh, he'd destroy me. Uh, <laughs> so he's one of my favorites right now. President Bolsonaro in Brazil uh, has continued to be an absolute juggernaut, as well as his sons uh, Carlos and Flavio and Eduardo. All three of his adult sons are on the platform and charging ahead. Um, that's why we've had Brazil has led us in new user signups twice just in the last week alone. Uh, and so that's uh, YouTube suspended. President Bolsonaro for a week, and that helped drive a lot of people to us as well. And then I think here domestically, uh, look, Marjorie Taylor Greene has continued to be uh, a big influence, um, as well as uh, you know, some of our other uh, Steve Bannon, obviously, today with uh, Steve Bannon in the war room uh, have been uh, massive movers. So that's been pretty exciting. So uh, we're getting people from all around the world. And look, there are even some people who aren't necessarily big even in, in traditional politics. Uh, Enos Cantor, who's the center for the Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. uh, he's the one who made the really uh, big news with the anti-CCP free Tibet shoes that he wore uh, or he's been wearing so far this season. Uh, Enos has been great. And he's, look, domestically, more left of center uh, than I am, or I assume that you are. And he's, yeah. you know, you find in the social media, he's got pictures of him with Democratic politicians and such. But I told him when we had a conversation before training camp, I said, Enos, here's the deal. If you come on this platform, here's what I can promise you. I'm going to make you a hero to millions of people around the world who have never heard of you. You're going to have a massive new audience for promoting your your views on human rights, on free speech, freeing the Uyghurs, uh, all these these different causes that you're taking up, you're going to exponentially expand your voice, and he's done just that. Wow. One thing, I want to switch gears a little bit uh, and talk a little bit about Steve Bannon and everything that's unfolded there. I think that's been a major impact. It's on the top of everyone's mind. Um, and, And it goes along with the topic of seeing these coordinated attacks by the mainstream media and the left constantly to disparage conservatives and Trump supporters. And and let's talk a little bit about the events that have unfolded January 6th. We saw Biden refer to it as the worst attack, quote, on our nation's history since the Civil War, and on and on it went. Uh, What do you believe in terms of how much of this discussion surrounding January 6th do you believe has become politicized, and what effect do you believe social media has had um, in terms of rewriting this narrative? Well, I think it's completely about politics and the fact, I mean, just look at the people who've been served subpoenas so far, whether that's Mark Meadows, Cash Patel, Dan Scavino, uh, heck, even myself or uh, Steve Bannon or any of the the other people uh, within the Trump administration. The FBI and the DOJ haven't even talked to anybody from the administration for the simple fact that nobody had anything to do with some of the terrible events that happened on January 6th. And I don't know why Jerry Nadler and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger 
uh, and think that they're going to wake up and magically be Perry Mason or Inspector Clouseau or, I mean, heck, they're not even Inspector Gadget, let alone uh, Inspector Clouseau, right. why they think they're going to magically uncover some, some grand plot. Here's what it's all about, Ryan. The President Trump has said he's going to, well, he said he's a good chance he runs again in 2024. That's all this is about. Uh, if President Trump was riding off into the sunset a la George H.W. Uh, Bush in 1993, then nobody here, uh, nobody would care. Uh, this, this would be uh, this would be all about uh, congressional squabbling and uh, Joe and Kamala and you know kind of the the clown car that they have going on in the White House. But because these Democrats are so triggered by President Trump coming back, because they see the poll numbers, not just Trump leading Biden by 11 points in Iowa, which we saw this week, or Joe Biden's historically low numbers, uh, literally the lowest that they've ever had in the ABC Washington Post poll in 40 years, uh, just these horrific numbers, you notice there's a direct correlation between the uh, decrease in Joe Biden's poll numbers and the increase in subpoenas and other activity that have happened. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's, uh, I think their goal is truly to go and ruin a lot of people's lives, try to scare them off from President Trump, but I don't think it's going to work. Are you going to uh, comply with the subpoena in terms of this, sh- in my opinion, sham January 6th committee? Uh, good question. So my attorney and I uh, are chatting with the, the committee. Uh, we're figuring out where exactly uh, there will be compliance. Uh, keep in mind that since I never served in the White House, uh, I don't have as much of as much cover when it comes to, uh, say, not complying in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I think there are some uh, very clear areas where um, uh, very clear areas where we need to make sure that I'm not uh, being asked to divulge any privileged conversations, uh, particularly with regard to the president, with regard to legal counsel, things like that. But ultimately, I didn't have anything to do with January 6th. Uh, I have nothing to hide. Uh, there's there's no magical file. There's no magical architecture schematic uh, or even any interview question I could be asked is going to lend any insight in any way, shape, or form to January 6th. Um, I, on January 6th, I was sitting on my couch uh, ordering DoorDash and watching everything on TV <laughs> yeah. uh, along with uh, with much of the rest of the country. And so, uh, if, like I said, the, the proverbial uh, Nadler and Cheney and Kinzinger want to spin their wheels and try to do that, I mean, uh, look, I uh, I don't think they want to put me in the same room with Eric Swalwell. Uh, I don't think that's going to go well for, for Swalwell. Um, but uh, so uh, figuring all that out with my lawyer as we speak. Mm-hmm. I feel like, in my opinion at least, that there's an argument to be made that because of social media's coordinated censorship of both conservatives and President Trump and, and everything that unfolded before January 6th, isn't there, aren't they in large part actually somewhat guilty for the un- events that unfolded? Because we know throughout history, when people's voices aren't heard, when they're, they're removed and censored and labeled, it leads to these public protests. Well, you're absolutely right, but obviously with the way that big tech and big media collude and coordinate, they're never going to allow that that thought uh, mm-hmm. to become prevalent or to become the uh, the commonly understood um, uh, framework for, for what happened on January 6th. But President Trump, quite frankly, echoed a lot of that in statements that he put out uh, on Monday, uh, very specific to, to all that, and saying that the media has some, uh, some role in this, and, and I, I believe that they do. Um, and I, I think that uh, just as we saw the media recently have to backtrack on everything from the Russia hoax to uh, so many other made-up things, uh, we know the apology or setting things straight uh, won't come clear until you know 
years down the road, uh, probably, but that's just part of the way this system is rigged against conservatives. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me that they create an alternate set of facts and they promote that as much as possible. So uh, how can the American people really feel confident that the information that they're even reading on social media, maybe Getter is the exception, um, how can they be confident that what they're reading and seeing and listening to is the truth? Well, that's a great point, because uh, nobody elected Mark Zuckerberg, nobody elected Jack Dorsey, mm-hmm. um, nobody elected the folks at, at Google and YouTube that are putting up the warning labels um, for even mentioning the word vaccine anywhere. People need to do the research and you, you get their information uh, themselves. They can't rely simply on uh, mainstream media, simply on right-of-center media. Uh, d- develop your voice on social media. Make sure that you have your platform on Getter. Make sure that you are reading multiple news outlets, that you look at that body of what's going on, and you make decisions for yourself. And I'll tell you, Ryan, uh, real quick, one story. I was in uh, France in September, and I was on a panel with the CEO of the AFP. That's essentially France's version um, of the, the Associated Press. And uh, Fabrice Freeze is the gentleman's name, and he literally said that we need to find a way to slow down information that's coming to people because people can't handle information from so many sources and they and that people need uh, uh, elites uh, like those in the media to explain it to them. So I think February's freeze is an idiot. I think that people are smart enough to make their own decisions. We should get them as many sources of information as possible, never allow it to be centralized in the hands of the few. That's why Big tech, for example, has centralized all the power with just a couple of few companies, and they're able to so effectively deplatform and silence people uh, from all around the country and all around the world. So uh, I'm very much of the belief that people need to get information from a number of sources. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, we see it like we talked about from the very beginning with the coronavirus, where if anyone shared the truth surrounding that, they'd be booted off. And now it seems January 6th is the newest and bigger one that if anyone actually shares just the hard truth about it and doesn't get involved in some emotional appeal based off of what actually happened, they're labeled extremists or worse yet, terrorists. Um I know the listeners on this show care a lot about the truth. They don't want talking points. And, and so I actually want to share the truth of what took place. And, and I want to just get your, your take on it. Uh, I believe that the events of January 6th, they lasted a couple hours. It caused minimal damage. There was only one person directly killed. It was an unarmed female Trump supporter. She was shot by a Capitol police officer. And, and that's really the summary of what took place. And then when you compare that to the rioting that took place in 2020, there was over what, $2 billion in property damage. There were more than 20 people that were killed. Uh, why, why do you believe there's this two-tier justice system where the DOJ is allowed to target Trump supporters and conservatives and label them um, really terrorists when what just took place just last year was so much more extreme in terms of uh, death toll and uh, cost of, of violence and, and damage? Well, the reason for the disparity in the news coverage is very simply because Democrats control the media and big tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're right, when you look at the, the overall sum of damage, when you look at the uh, the number of people killed, you look at just how serious uh, the summer of 2020 was versus January 6th, uh, they're not even comparable. I do think that there were a number of bad actors on January 6th um, that, uh, that definitely have some uh, responsibility that they need to, to fess up for. I've seen some mm-hmm. pretty detailed coverage and say Steve 
Bannon's war room, some other places where I think there were some uh, some ringleaders who had nothing to do with the mega movement, nothing to do with President Trump, nothing to do with uh, First Amendment uh, freedom-loving individual patriots. Uh, and I think a few of these people uh, that uh, some some have been prosecuted, some haven't. Uh, but I think then there have been hundreds of other people who've unfairly, unnecessarily had their lives turned upside down and being treated as domestic terrorists, and even for some of them who weren't even uh, even in Washington, D.C. that day, or who maybe were uh, in D.C. but never even entered the Capitol. And I think that the way this is uh, pressed forward in such a political fashion has, has really been a travesty. Yeah. Well, we know that it's important for the American people to stay well-informed and armed with the truth above all else. And I, I really do commend your efforts to create a platform where they're able to uh, not only share their ideas, but also to see the truth uh, unfiltered by the mainstream media. So I, I really do want to thank you for that and all you're doing um, to fight back against this. Well, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it very much. Keep up the great work with Hillsdale and look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. You've been listening to The Ryan Young Show live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you've been listening to podcasts. Hope you have a beautiful and a blessed rest of your day.